fortune, Starling. You think you can dissect me with this blunt little tool? No. I, I, I thought that your knowledge... You're so ambitious, aren't you? Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube. A well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed, pure West Virginia. Where's your father, dear? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the land? You know how quickly the boys found you, all those tedious, sticky fumblings in the back seats of cars, while you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way. Well, Mary, the prison doors aren't open, but the library certainly seems to be. Oh, man. Oh, like I threw so many dollar bills at Anthony Hopkins during this read. Oh, I didn't know he was allowed glasses in that cell because he had slipped on some cat eye sunglasses and read her to F-I-L-T-H Phil. Oh, God, and it's filthier than the semen that makes through at Clarice on the way oh, out. Oh, yeah, that's that's not even the worst of the treatment that she gets. It's when he reads those shoes in that purse. I mean, I think in the season, scene after this, she's crying against her car, and you can't tell if it's because she has semen on her face or if because she was literally brutalized by Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> one of his surviving victims, yeah. Well, two fun things about this I'd read, thank you, IMDb, is A, apparently Anthony Hopkins improvised the read of her fake accent. Wow. Uh, so her reaction was genuine. It was like, oh, shit, you know, I've been read. And I guess she worked with some FBI agent to kind of get the, you know, the inside scoop. And this woman had told her, like, she had recommended the crying against the car scene. She's like, yeah, sometimes the job gets to be too much. And that's usually a good opportunity to get it out of your system. But, and I mm. loved it. Cause I was like, yes, I, I just need, I need some catharsis for Clarice in this movie. Oh, I know. I, she rarely gets one. Yeah. Yeah. It's so restrained. It was actually, I mean, you know, you go into a movie thinking, Oh, she won best actress. She's probably wringing herself dry. Like, you know, Tony Collette and hereditary, except I don't, know where her oscar is and then in this you know i i was like i don't know if to, if jodie foster ever really goes there but by the end of the movie oscar earned i am yeah i'm in love with clarice well you know who i'm in love with i'm in love i'm in love with hannibal lecter i i stepped in that like a flaming bag of doggy duty i it's because that goddamn thing is in my head. Because just before we recorded, I get a little text message with a little video of none other than Blair Manuel Miranda <laughs> singing her verse from with All Star Side of Fries, Super Size. Uh, see it, right? Yeah, I saw it. Uh, well, you know. What I also find interesting, because obviously, you know, we have so much to praise about Jodie Foster, but. Anthony Hopkins is in this movie for like 30 minutes, 20 minutes. He's practically a BSA, you know? Yeah, and he wins. And I have to say this scene, I think what impresses me so much about this scene, obviously I did not know that he 
improvise the Kohumana's daughter kind of reading. But I he the way that he keeps eye contact mm-hmm. is such an actor's choice. Like it is it is a, a a person with power who's in a cell behind like maximum security still feels like he has power over yeah. the person he's talking to. Yeah, I think I had read that it was kind of like, you know, you think of like a lizard and or a reptile that they rarely blink. And when they do, it's on purpose. And so I think uh, that was part of his inspiration was like, uh, and you think of it, it's like you're it's this like this this alligator in the in this, you know, aquarium that <laughs> is just waiting for her with this big grin. I mean, it's uh, that's it's, right. Oh, yeah. my God, Mary, I'm dying right now. That's mm-hmm. such a that's the perfect image yeah holy shit i mean and to that point and i think really we see it in this clip of the week and with that illusion is one of the things i realized and just fell in love with as well in this in watching it this time was how incredibly perfectly campy silence the lambs is oh yes oh my gosh it is mary from start to finish from start to finish (laughs) It is so, I mean, the camp of this is, I never, I never saw it. it in all the times I'd seen this movie, which maybe was like three or four at most, you know, or maybe parts of it here and there on TNT, you know, mm. but, oh my God, Hannibal Lecter, I mean, absolutely, I mean, I, I, so campy and yet in the best way, like, and yet still also like prestige film, Oscar winning Sir Anthony Hopkins queen, you know? Yeah, it, Queen. It can be both. It can be both. It really yeah. can. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, throughout every scene he's in, and he's in, like, what, like, six scenes? Um, yeah. He is consistently the smartest person in the room, the most well-spoken, most artistic. He uh, Most it, smartest. Most <laughs> smartest. Quote, most good. Janney. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, most good. Most good. Yeah, most good. good to most quote Winona Ryder. Good. Yes. Um, you know, all the way to the scene. God, the other scene that I think could have been the clip of the week is when he's talking to the senator. Okay, that is the other perfect example. Of, and that was, I think, when it really hit me of like, oh, this is this is so profoundly campy. I mean, love your suit is, is a beautiful line, but yes, God bless Diane Baker for getting the line. Take this thing back to Baltimore. Oh, I know you could put that in a John Waters movie, you know? I mean, it's just, (laughs) and it, and there she is in that suit with that scarf, Uh. you know, it, you know, in, in in a private air, you know, jet hanger. And, (laughs) It is such high camp. He's calling her mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. I just... Uh, that scene. That scene is drag. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it drag is. queens. This, should, this is such inspiration, this moment, you know? For sure. Her and then literally, again, back to the idea that he's still this powerful monster in mm-hmm. the mask tied up against a, a gurney. Like <laughs> Gurney, <laughs> Gurney, and, and and he's literally reading her for filth. No, is knows exactly what he's doing. Has the pen, you know. Yeah. There's it, it's it's so brilliant, and I just want like the the lines leading up to take this thing back to Baltimore are 
you, they're so despicable that you have to laugh. Oh, he says, yeah. toughened your nipples, didn't it? When your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? It's disgusting what he's and, saying to this and person. And is it uh, toughened your nipples, didn't it, mom? Because I know there's some moms in there. Oh, moms, sure. Yeah, I, sure. It, that, and I think that is the like... Oh, like that. Oh. I, that's just what that's what puts it over the edge for me is him calling her mom, calling her mom. I mean, the, the, what put it over the edge is his final slap in the face. Oh, and Senator, just one more thing. One more. Pause, thing. pause, pause, pause. Everybody pause. turns around. Yeah. <laughs> Love your suit. And Love then it's like, suit. you know, uh, you know, uh, shade rattle, audience Beat drop, applause. dance break, <laughs> dollars thrown, right. shuts Michelle it down to the Scorpio and, and Charlotte. Michelle Visage is getting her life. <laughs> Safe zone drama. <laughs> so I think, you know, before we kind of start talking about the, the movie uh, in, in kind of more detail, just generally, I mean, Hannibal as this, I mean, because Jodie Foster definitely, but Hannibal also this. Oh, I don't want to say icon, but queer figure, like b- bizarre how it twists. Yeah, I, I mean, and I know you know there's different points of view about the you know the, the queer threads of Silence of the Lambs, but I embrace Hannibal Lecter as as a queer icon. I love the idea that he's. There is a sort of dandyish quality about him. Mm. Whatever, whoever you know, I, I don't even think of him as as having sex. You know what I mean? Right, I feel like right. That Nothing sexual. Is, yeah, mm-hmm. but there is a dandy kind of quality to him, down to like you know the disguise at the end, which is practically Betty Davis and whatever happened to Baby Jane. You know what I mean? <laughs> In terms of just like, oh look at you, look at you. It's and he's just but yeah. you're on that gurney exactly. <laughs> But y'are Hannibal, y'are in that cell. <laughs> uh, I mean, he. What what I find fascinating about that character is that people are so disgusted by his crimes, right? That he eats people, and yet mm-hmm. he's the smartest person in the room. People go to him for advice. Still, he's sensitive and aware. He's calculating. It's what he does in private. What we know about him when we look at him that disgusts mm-hmm. us, right? This right. idea, like, oh, don't touch him, don't get too close. And you know, as I'm describing him, I very well might be describing how people view gay people in the '80s. Let's just get into that because I guess the other thing is about Buffalo Bill. I, I thought that you know, because that's one of the things I knew about this movie was that like there was a lot of concern of you know Buffalo Bill being you know this. Uh, evil trans character or terrible representation of trans folks. And I feel like that's, a, in my opinion, was a lot taking a lot out of context because I think the movie almost belabors the point that Buffalo Bill is not trans. Oh, it, it definitely does. And uh, what I do, f- yes, yes, and it doesn't matter what the film is saying, Mary. I, straight people watching this when when that tucking scene happens, that's what, like for for many people watching it uh, that are straight cis, right? That's what they think trans people are. Like that's what they picture. Oh, they tuck and they kill and they they're prancing around and and all of that. Like it didn't matter what the film was saying. In this case, the impact is that it was creating this idea 
in straight cis people and maybe even gay people about kind of what trans was. And and for me, I, 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 I see your point, but it really is the impact. It's like, ugh, this is this is what people are going to think now, regardless of what the film says. And I that's all valid. And I think it's like there, this is both an example of impact and context. Yeah. Of course, um, because it, I just, th- there's literally an explicit line from one of the other smartest people in the movie saying there's no correlation between transsexuals or, and whether that term is appropriate or not. Now it's fucking 1990 between transsexuals and violence. You know, like they have. L- it's literally yeah. in the script, and the protagonist is stating it. There is then yeah. literally another character saying, "Well, Buffalo Bill is not trans." I mean, that. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying, and it's just like. Yes, but when you watch the whole movie, then the fault here is in the watcher and not in the movie, in my point right. of view. You know? it's, in the, it's in the ethos that exists already that the film taps into, um, even if they said, oh, he, he, he isn't. You know, it's much more terrifying, as he says. Um, <clears throat> his pathology is much more terrifying. I just love his pronunciation of terrifying. Catherine Hepburn, yeah. <laughs> terrifying. Um, I, uh, I, I see the impact, uh, you know, obviously if, a, uh, you know, if there's gay stereotypes in films that were harmful, but you know, the context didn't mean anything, it wouldn't matter to me. Cause I'm just like, well, yeah, but people will still kind of create that in their heads because of, because of, uh, of audiences. Right. And so I, I, you know, I, I, that's where I am on this. I, I, I see the impact. Let's. Let's back up. I I want to move on to something that I hope we can agree on. Um, I know we didn't see eye to eye on Lance Henriks in, in Aliens, but can we agree on the big donkey dick energy of Scott Glenn? Because <laughs> like all I want to do is blow him in his office, and I I don't know what to do about these feelings. You know, <laughs> Mary, tell me who Scott I. He Who plays is, Jack. He plays the... He's the, Jack Crawford. Jack Crawford. Oh. Glasses, slick hair, suit, huge dick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Combat boots, yeah. mid lipstick. <laughs> it will um, be when I'm done with them, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Jack Crawford is very sexy in this movie. The The thing with Jack Crawford is... I know what the film was setting up that he was kind of creepy to Clarice, right? Like he's yeah, sure. You know, it's there's there. blurring lines happening. There's sure. you know even the fact that she's on this case in the first place, which is another thing I never really appreciated, was that she's just like a student, right? And is like still in training, and there's a sense of like, oh, he's kind of given her a little leg up, and well, and, and sending the lamb to slaughter essentially. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a it's interesting because I think there's either you know there's there's his kind of mm, is he blurring the lines with her and then there's like her having kind of mixed feelings about him. Like I like that it's it's a little complicated. Yeah, I mean, I believe her when she tell, tells Hannibal. You know, I have no, I have thought about him at all like that. I do believe yeah. her. Uh, I do think it's interesting at the end when they're at the party. Uh, there's there's a, 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 a zoom in shot when she lifts her hand like, yep, we're friends. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of tension there of like, how is this going to land? Even when she calls him Mr. Crawford, he doesn't mm-hmm. say like Jack. There isn't really any sense of like that they would even keep in touch, you know? 
Sure. Because in a movie where almost every scene that Clarice is in, almost everyone, um, you know, because I, I can't wait to talk about Cassie Lemons, but the every scene that Clarice is in, she's essentially, <clears throat> her gender is pointed out. Her size is shown on the screen, just how mm-hmm. small she is compared to everybody. And it it's consistent. And so when she's with Jack, you expect that same kind of uh, overbearing energy around her. And at finally at the end, it's it they're they're kind of met. You know, she does stand up mm-hmm. for herself. She's like, Look, you're a leader, they look to you you know, don't keep pointing out my gender to people. And he's like, okay, I hear you, right? Yeah, I've seen in the car, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, I feel like that 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 kind of had its own arc too, uh, Clarice and Jack. And I, I think there's two ways to look at it. You can think that maybe he was interested and then, oh, that's wrong, and then, you know, didn't. Uh, or he did and she just was like, no, and, and kind of put up those boundaries. Right, right. But I and I agree that like a lot of the movie is like framed showing her as, you know, uh, in that first scene in the elevator when she's going mm-hmm. up to his office or when they're at the house, you know, and she's yeah, surrounded with the by cops. cops. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. They keep, um, they're, they're staring at her like death. Uh, it's it's yeah. alarming, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this could be the cover of like a gangbang movie, you know, it's just like this one lady surrounded by all these dudes, you know? Oh, it, yeah. And she fucking owns them, which I love. Mm-hmm. She's like, just get out of here. We need to be with her. You know, you're doing the right thing. Just leave. Uh, good for her. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Little Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. Foster. Um, So, uh, do you want to talk about Cassie Lemons now? No. No, you don't. You want to save her. Okay. I do. I want to talk about Brooke Smith. Oh, will eternally be Catherine, Brooke Smith. Anytime Uh, I see her in anything, when we did in in her shoes, I was like, oh my God. mm. Tony, don't get too attached to her. (laughs) Because... She's going to help a guy with a couch with a van, and it's just going to be all down the well from there. I've, you know, she, I, what's heartbreaking about that scene, first of all, that you know it's going to happen, but also that the cat is in the window. A little just cheaper. Watch, yeah, cheaper, just helplessly watching. Oh, and uh, you know he's hungry because she's coming home. Yeah. You know, so he's like, oh, yes, come on, give me that fancy feast. Yes. And so, I mean, the only upside is I'm sure that once they figured out she was missing, somebody went to her apartment, took care a little cheaper for her. Sure. Um, yeah. Should be fine. But I, and now, but at the end, she's got princess. So there's princess yeah. and cheaper, you know? Yeah, princess and cheaper. Absolutely. Yeah. So I fell in love with Brooke throughout the movie. Obviously, when, you know, well, I'll get to that in a second. But the first scene. She's singing along to an American girl. I love, love this car scene. They didn't necessarily need it. She is belting her brains out. She's like trying the harmony. She's doing the backup. She mm-hmm. has this great riff. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. To say bro. nothing of that hair, that great hair. The I great mean, hair. Uh, mm-hmm. That scene, I I love that scene. I love yeah. I love that song. And I know you probably hate that song, but I love that song. And she, the riff that she puts in, see, it's oh god, I I'm so into that scene. <laughs> I just heard Tom Petty, and I just I went into a few. I know. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're, 
you were, you were when she's in the stabbing well. your eyes out. Yeah, yeah exactly. you were shoving moths in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, sh- that scene I love. I just love that that's the intro we get to her. She's having a great night out. She's, uh, you know, or coming home from grocery shopping. Like, I, I think there was a bag of classic Cheetos in that grocery bag. Thank God. Which is probably Thank the biggest God. loss is that she never got because the Cheetos tasted better in the red and white and clear bag. You know what I mean? Like they taste better in there. Okay. Okay. I believe you. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? You. Like there's yeah. certain foods like Wendy's used to taste better when Wendy's was yellow, you know? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. This is all true. This is yeah. all true. Yeah, yeah. This is all true. Um, yeah, that bag definitely did taste better. They made it differently, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Pizza yeah. Hut was better when it was a dining experience and mm. you know. There was a, a salad bar with pudding, you know, just things were different back then. <laughs> so anyway. So Brooke, as Catherine, when she's down in the well, I think the other part that I just kind of fell in love with her, besides her threatening the dog, which I'm like, you do it. You get the fuck out of there, Brooke. Like, I, I, I love I love that as much as like, don't hurt the dog. But it's like, no, hurt the dog. Get the fuck out of there. Or at like least that... you've got the collateral. Hold on yes. to the dog. As long as you got the dog, you've got mm-hmm. collateral. Like, don't, yeah. you know, poor princess, you know? Right. But poor Catherine, right? And so, yeah. but, but but I fell in love with her when she starts calling Clarice a fucking bitch. Oh, get me out of here, you fucking bitch. Oh, I, that, I picked that up this time, and I was like, yes. I mean, uh, Michelle Massage, you live your life. I was like, Yeah. What? Brooke Smith goes to such a 27 in this movie. Mm. It is. And that's always because <clears throat> there I had seen parts of this before I saw the whole thing. And that always stuck with me was like the scene when when, you know, the flashlight pans up and she sees the the bloody fingernail scratches in the well. Sure. And yeah. then she just it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She just loses her fucking mind. Right. And right. I was like, oh, God, you are. And I kept thinking, you're just alone at the bottom of this well, and they're just filming you from up here. You know what I mean? And you're just down uh, there screaming like, ay ay ay, you know? Oh, my God. She the, spends the, most of the movie alone in a well, you know? Yeah. I would be Clarice crying against a car after filming that day. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or or closer to the craft services table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you guys have those Cheetos? In the oh red and the white, yeah. <laughs> she, but she calling her a fucking bitch, and uh, you know, basically doing all she can to communicate to Clarice, like, listen, he is a psychopath. Like, you, you're not safe. We need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Get me out of here. Do not leave. Uh, I, it, again, is I love when there's agency in these victims. It's I mean, not, yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not just crying yeah. and whining and whimpering. It's like primal screaming, clawing, I'm going to get out of here. Well, even like coming up with the plan to lure the dog down there. Like uh-huh. She's like, I'm just, it, this isn't going to be a passive experience. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, and I think in terms of a role in a movie, sometimes, yeah, this kind of character is like, you're not given much to do, but just, you know, be gagged and bound and waiting. And I felt like, you know... I, for better or for worse, I feel like she'll always be known for this role, but I think it's because like she just brings the fucking rag out. And I think mm. um, you sympathize with her, but there's on the end, but it's also, then it gets to this point where it's like, this is almost uncomfortable, you know, like it's also, it's it part of what makes this movie uncomfortable is how much she cranks it up, you know? Yeah. She totally cranks it up. She, I, it's interesting. Cause I also know her from Grey's Anatomy. 
That's I think of that as well. I had kind of fallen off Grey's by then, but I remember when she was on there, and I was like, oh, yeah, I know you from the well. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I think Grey's, and then, of course, In Her Shoes, and I guess I probably, she's probably popped up in other things, but that's that's how I know Brooke. Those are the main three. Yeah. Uh, I know her from In Her, In Her Shoes now because I finally watched it. Uh, right. With you. Yeah. Uh, last year, this year, I don't know. Time. Some point, yeah. Some um, uh, so, so, yes, Brooke Smith, uh, to say nothing of her mother, which we kind of already discussed, she's also a Matreon alum. I was going to ask, do you remember she's a Matreon alum from a previous All Right Spooky? Uh, yes. All Right Scary, excuse me. All Right Spooky. That's the uh, great value version. Um, okay, Spooky. Um, yes, she plays Joan Crawford's daughter in Straight Jacket. And... She plays oh, Sandy my. Bullock's mother in yes! the Yes! Oh, I'm shaking my fists. Yes, she plays Sandy Bullock's mom, and she's on the other end of that phone call. Oh, wow. Yes, Three-time alum, Diane Baker. How good does that feel? Oh, and she is prolific. Oh, my God. She's been in everything. I'm not sure that, she, you know, she might have... Was she in Rat Race, you know? Because <laughs> I feel like that's where... And for folks listening, because I always forget these are these are main feed free skate episodes. When we do these movies on Patreon or as Matreon as we call it, how clever um, we a highlight of every episode is is cataloging, if you will, the alums, people we've talked about in the past, and kind of recognizing their contribution to our conversations. And so, you know, it, it's a lot to be a four or five time alum, Sandy Bullock. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, mm. Diane Weist, probably, you know, mm. Francis Conroy Brown, Soy, mm. uh, or Crawford Brown. I always say her name wrong. Um, uh, Colleen Camp. Yeah. Colleen Camp, you know, Combat mm-hmm. Boots, Red Lipstick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, think the, I think this is all of the Diane Baker we've had so far. I think there's just the three. Yes, there is. She is fantastic in The Diary of Anne Frank. I do remember her in that movie as Margo. Oh, yeah. We did that on the Best Sporting Podcast. So, uh, oh, you she, did? Yeah, she plays the sister. Yeah, it's her, oh, it's her first movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, boy, that movie. Shelley Winters is in that. She was nominated uh-huh. for Best Sporting Actress. <laughs> She's great. Oh, but, God, that movie. Oh, yeah, God. it's a, you know, Impact. it's yeah. a long one. Yeah. Oof. and. It doesn't end well. No. Oh, man. Uh, but anyway, yes, I, I'm so happy that she's in this movie and forgot that it was her. Uh, yeah. Senator. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good little role. It's such a great. I mean, it's so memorable. I just and like ugh, take this thing back to Baltimore. That is a fucking tote bag. Totally. And the other thing that's interesting about having Diane Baker as the senator in this movie is. The, the movie seems to be purposefully putting gender into the discussion because it's a female senator. It's not the senator's daughter and it's her dad. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know what and I mean? he's like, you know, I'll pay whatever, you know, and, and it's just all very like, uh, I think there's there's something a little more. I mean, I think it comes back to, yeah, like him calling her mom. And even when they have this conversation, having this very maternal conversation, uh, it's. Yeah, it feels more, like maybe more humanizing. They kind of make a point of that when she has that ad about, you know, please return my daughter and mm-hmm. like, you know, constantly putting her in the lens of being a little girl and being her daughter. Like, I think there's um, there's something, yeah, kind of even 
it crosses into the whole through the through line with Clarice of being the only woman in the room. There's yes. Yeah. I, yes. and, and I think even more so if you really look at the movie, you really can't trust any of the men in this movie. No. And you know, it's the women who solve the crime, you know, it's the, it's the women and the, and the Faye serial killer who solve the crime. Yeah. I mean, I, I know this is kind of a cheesy metaphor, but you have Catherine in the well, What's to say that Clarice isn't in a well herself? All right. All right. Uh, you know, uh, well, Charlie Bucket, what, you know, I don't know. Why don't you, why don't you impart us with a, with a mouthful of more of that metaphor? Well, it's just, just the idea that you're in a world of men and you're consistently having to claw yourself out of a well to be seen, to be appreciated, to be taken seriously, mm-hmm. to not be made a victim, you know, all of that. Th- this idea that, and that you're isolated often. Um, there's often maybe one or two women in the same profession, uh, whether you're a senator or you are a police officer or a FBI agent, uh, which brings us to the Cassie Lemons. Um, yeah. Ardelia. Uh, do you know about Cassie Lemons? I do. I feel like she's a director as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like she was in Candyman. Yes. Yeah. Oh, she plays Bernadette in yeah. Candyman. Yeah. Which is which is when I met her. Because uh, I watched that movie way too young. Oh, you, way too young. Oh, when you met her, so to speak. Not like you were like, hey, Cassie, it's me, Johnny. No, I never yeah. met her, but I, I met her on yeah, screen. Yeah, sure. You're introduced yes. to her. Yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. Um, but she is actually talked about now um, because she wrote the opera libretto for a opera called Fire Shut Up in My Bones, uh, which is this uh, coming-of-age a uh, book about a, a, a black man um, by Charles Blow. Um, she wrote the libretto for uh, Terrence Blanchard's first opera that uh, premiered, not first opera, but his opera is the first African-American composer to premiere at the Metropolitan Opera this season. Wow. Oh, well, you know, just the season of the lemon. Yeah, lemons. <laughs> yeah, it's lemon season, you know? Yeah, she um that uh, that that book by Charles Blow is very heavy and and so is the opera. Uh I did not get to see it cuz I don't live in New York. Uh a few of my friends went and I mean, it's outstanding. Um she adapted that novel. Um and I think she am I wrong? She directed Harriet uh, is that a movie about Harriet Winslow? Harriet Tubman. <laughs> oh, well, it was a good guess, right? Um, another important figure of my past. Uh, uh, so that's uh, pretty recent as well. Um, I, I'm looking at it now. She did, yes. Cassie Lemons. Um, it's, so anyway, she is now back into the conversation, and it's just interesting to see that like one of her first roles was not only the only one of the only women in the FBI, but one of the only black women, if not the only black woman in that that little school in her class. I think as far as what we saw, yeah, I mean, she really I think they make such a point of it that like she is really Clarice's only ally. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then when they have that scene together where they're, you know, th- those face to face shots of them mm. kind of talking through the case, she's 
also one of Clarissa's only like reliable partners to talk through something. You know, there isn't the like the bug guys. There isn't the weirdness of that, or obviously all right. the baggage with Hannibal or the troubles with um, Jack. Yeah, and Chilton, and like you know, all of it. Like she always has to navigate these like muddy waters with all these men, but with uh, what's her name? Ardelia. Um, Ardelia. Uh, like it's. It, it's very straightforward. Ardelia is kind of from the very beginning. We see her see, giving Clarice a high five. She's always mm-hmm. supporting her. Um, she gets that poltergeist Joe Beth Williams running down the hallway moment that I was like, you didn't yes. have to give this to her. Yeah. You didn't have to, but you did. Yeah. And that means something to me, you know? Yes. Yes. No, Ardelia is uh, right there with Clarice on this case, yeah. which I think is a forgotten kind of storyline and in true early 90s fashion yes the black woman is playing the supporting role is the kind of forgotten friend to the white counterpart right that's also a lens that you could put on this but she is there and she does have that running scene yeah honestly i mean listen i am all about finding the impact of supporting performances yes uh, there's so much value in them. And so, you know, in a way, it's just like, oh, all you want is just more scenes of the two of them just like, you know, solving. I want them both in the house at the end, you know? I want, right. like, right. you know. I'm, she's outside, I, you know, yeah. She's outside. Like, I, I want all of that. I love seeing them work together. And I don't know, yeah, it's a great little friendship that, yeah, I totally forget about when I think about this movie. Right. Uh, yeah. You. It's kind of like, oh, right, she she had help. And it was Ardelia. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Delia. There is, I mean, uh, for a movie she graduated that, also. You know, she did. And really, yeah. if you think about it, like in a in a movie and a genre, you think about like a genre that that would be and is typically largely populated by men. To have Clarice, to have Catherine, to have Ardelia, to have the senator. I mean, like all of the women in this movie are not to be trifled with, right? Yeah, the, and and we see that. Let's go. Let's veer back to Jodie Foster now. Throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie, I mean, she is going toe to toe with Hannibal Lecter. I mean, it is such a good performance. I, I a I just love you know when you really think about her name, like Clarice. Like mm. it would it could be you know it's practically a Steel Magnolias character, you know. And of course, I'm thinking about Ellen Ripley, and I'm thinking about how our like female heroines are Clarice and Ellen. You know, mm. like these could be just like two girls at the general store getting a soda pop. You know what I mean? Sure, I see that. I yeah. love that. I love. The I think what what I love about Ripley and what I love about Clarice is like the humanity that they go through this journey with that makes them more interesting. Yeah, we see her running up a hill at the start of the movie, which yeah. is basically the biggest metaphor for the whole movie. Right? Oh yeah, the whole opening is just a is is just a total metaphor. Yeah, and she so we we get thrust she gets thrust into this world. Same with the movie within ten minutes. She's down in the basement after being hit on by that creep. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, Chilton, Anthony Heald, Held? Uh, w- ugh, what a slime ball. I had kind ugh. of forgotten what was going to happen to him. And mm. I, was, I had forgotten that he was the old friend Hanwell was having dinner with, or was having for dinner at the end. And uh, No, 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 no. Old friend is a play on words because he was going to eat an old person. No, he's it's Chilton who arrives in wherever he is at the end. He sees him getting off the plane. 
Oh, I just saw the old people. Yeah, I always thought that's what it was. It was just like, oh, here's someone we don't know, someone from Hannibal's past. But no, it's Chilton getting off the plane and being escorted away, and then he casually follows along. Oh, I didn't even see Chilton. I just yeah. noticed a bunch of old people getting off the plane, and I'm like, oh, he's very good with words. Oh, he's yeah. having an old friend for dinner. Oh, No, no, he's, yeah, there's a, a shot of Chilton, and I was like, oh, thank God. Because thank just, God, yeah. I needed something to happen there. Oh, yeah, no, total creep. And mm -hmm. she puts him in his place. She's like, get the fuck back upstairs. <laughs> yeah, but in the best way of like, well, if he sees you as, and like she navigates of like, you know, oh, if I he know. sees you as a, a, an adversary, then perhaps you shouldn't come in. He's like, well, you could have told me that upstairs and saved me the trip. And she's like, well, then I wouldn't have, then I would have, then I would have missed the pleasure of your, of your company. And like, mm. she just, I, I love those little moments Ugh. of, it's like frustrating that she has to do that shit, but it's the truth of like, oh, she has to, just to navigate this man baby, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. And he knows what she means, mm -hmm, you know? Like, mm -hmm. he knows that this is the only way that she is able to get rid of him or to talk back to him is oh, by complimenting yeah. him. Right. right. There's still the power the there. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Uh, so then she goes in, talks with Hannibal, and is totally calm and collected until I guess she makes a misstep, right, by... Uh, when when he, she kind of like pushes a little bit too far on the questionnaire and is just like, well, mm -hmm. you know, it, you could read me. You could also read Buffalo Bill. And he's like, fuck off, girl. Right. You were doing so well. And, you know, and, and then you got a little, you know, it's like it's as if she's like a door to door salesman, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, she takes every hit that he gives her through that cell mm -hmm. on the chin and and doesn't show anything until she leaves. Yeah, it's really uh, again. It's like the scenes where you you want to see, it, you want to see more of a reaction. It's the fact that she's not that's more powerful, and then the fact that we at the end her crying against the car is like a faraway shot. They don't even indulge right so deeply in that. Like I remember in Hannibal uh, with Julianne Moore as Clarice, there's mm -hmm. a classic Julianne Moore bow tie mouth crying scene. <laughs> Uh, they really give it to you. And, you know, I love it. I love a little, you know, I love a black tie affair, but I thought this was, this was better. This was better. She is, you know, and, and purely by accident gets the information that she needs from him, right? Because if it wasn't for Migs throwing the semen at her, she oh. probably wouldn't have gotten it. And I thought that was so interesting that the information comes almost at a moment of like, okay, you've been thoroughly humiliated enough. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you something like you've, you know, uh, he sees it's like he sees a humanity in Clarice that you wouldn't expect Hannibal Lecter to see. And I think that's obviously a running theme is seeing someone as a human being versus seeing them as just a victim. And I think it's interesting how a lot of, or maybe this is me falling for Hannibal Lecter's games, but it seems like a lot of what he gives her is because he's, it's out of charity almost in a way. I see that. I see that. I think he also sees this more as a chess game between him and Jack and is like, you're giving me this pawn? Mm -hmm, well, I'm sure. going to turn this pawn into a queen. Right, right. And well, and is is she ever? Yeah. Oh, uh, I know. A couple and of the queens, the two of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. A couple of queens on the board. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, I, 
I know that it is one of the campiest moments, but it's like the man in the next cell. What did he say to you? And she says, I can smell your cunt. Right. And Ugh. it I mean, there's a whole musical scene written about uh, oh, that, oh, that whole right. part. Yeah. Silence the musical. Yeah. Silence the musical. But she I, the actress, Jodie Foster, I think gets gets what. Clarice needs to do in that moment, which is Mm -hmm. nothing phased me. It's fine. I know I'm this woman. I know y'all are going crazy because you can creepily smell me. Right. And Mm -hmm. she is, she is a student here. I can't believe that Jack would send any student male or female or non-binary, right? Like all the way down into the depths of hell to do this. He shouldn't have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he did. And she rose to the occasion. It is. I mean, yeah, it does kind of I I imagine in the book some of this gets explored of like, why Clarice? Like, why would you be thrown into like against someone who we've seen the levels of security she had to go through to get Mm -hmm. to him? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, totally. You know, I I love I guess it's sort of in the the following scene. But uh, when she gets the phone call and finds out that Miggs has died, uh, that he's killed himself and um there's, I guess whoever tells him, you know, he, he swallowed his tongue and there's a reaction shot of Clarice on the phone and it's just he's this wide-eyed terror. And I feel like moments like that, that almost feel like a classic horror movie reaction are such mm. a great balance to this more restrained moment. Like, I, I like that we don't always see Clarice holding it together and whether she's crying against the car or, like, genuinely horrified by something. I like that it's like, oh, yeah, this is a horror movie, you know? Totally, totally. And that, that happens, I think we, I mean, obviously it's a horror movie when we're learning about what Buffalo Bill does to people and Hannibal Lecter, you know, eating people. And I, we didn't see the picture of what he did to the nurse. Oh, but, yeah. You know, we had yeah. to imagine it, which was scary. Uh, but then the last scene, obviously, where she is in the basement and we're only seeing her fear through the nighttime goggles uh, that's also when she's unhinged. It's not. Oh yeah. It's not oh. reserved anymore. And I love that. I really because I feel like I always think of Jodie Foster, even though she's done so many different roles. I I always kind of think of her baseline as being more like Clarice, of like being more restrained or being kind mm. of you know a, a tougher exterior. And so it's it's almost surprising to see her play like that genuinely terrified and that like genuinely vulnerable you know for as much as i remember her from nell it just did not prepare me for for clarice at her most raw in the basement did you i mean because wasn't she did you see uh, panic room i i think i did but a long time ago and i haven't no i haven't had a sense that i should rewatch it but i may be misremembering she's fabulous in that uh, she's fabulous in the Brave One, which is oh, a very one. hard film to watch. Yeah, but she's I've great wa- in that. I've wanted to watch that one, but I also know that it's like oh, it's, it's, it's hard be, to watch. It's going to be bad before it gets better. It's brutal. Yeah, yes, um, it's brutal. I Mary. did rewatch Flight Plan recently, which is fine. It wasn't. Oh, that's fine. It's fine. Ugh. I wanted more. You know. Ugh. <laughs> I just wanted more. She's know. great. She see that movie for her. And, yeah. and that's why. And that's why I saw it. It was like, you know, give me some Jody looking for her daughter in the in the fuselage of a plane. The other scene that I think and you could argue that like this was one of the scenes where she earned the Oscar is when the quid pro quo scene. And Oh yeah. 
uh, I think it's it, it's the second quid pro quo scene. It's when he's in the nicer maximum security, and she goes in and she has to talk about her most frightening moment after her father dies, right? When she hears the lamb screaming. Yeah, that whole, I think that whole monologue is incredible. Again, that she like, it's that she doesn't cry, but she kind of always teeters to almost breaking, but telling this just like awful story. And I, I think, yeah, it's like, I, I understand that Clarice and Hannibal, like there've been TV series based on all this, but it makes right. sense because there's so much story to Clarice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's so much more than this movie. Yeah. And the, the yeah. Silence of the Lambs, yeah, it continues. That her saga, their kind of uh, bond, if you will, um, continues. Clarice, the way that Jodie Foster tells this story, I was hanging on every word. Same. Oh, my God, same. It was, ugh, it was just so good. I... And it's not crying. It's not, you know, uh, <laughs> it's not that. It's mm-hmm. this perfect, perfectly executed, focused story. And yet you are in so much pain listening to it. And and there's all these gaps that you then kind of think about. of Like, well, what was her life then when she was sent to the orphanage? And it's like mm-hmm. all of that narrative about Clarice that we don't know. But, you know, it's like we think we, ha- we have... We have 25% of her origin story, you know? Uh-huh, right. She obviously, you know, softened her accent. She she wakes up at night from these nightmares, the mm-hmm. you know, silencing the lambs, quote-unquote. Um, it's, it's why she does what she does. Yeah. You know, an, another bit of casting that maybe not as impactful as, as Jodie Foster or even Anthony Hopkins or even Cassie Lemons, but I do have to say... How much I appreciated Chris Isaac as that hot SWAT commander. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Oh, I just, you know, really, the, the, it goes back to the camp of this movie. It's having hot Chris Isaac as a SWAT commander. It's having Roger Corman as an FBI director. You know, it's love your suit. I mean, it's, mm. I just, it, I mean, even really fucked up stuff like in Buffalo Bill's room, the the swastika blanket. Did you see that? Oh my that? god! Yes, of course. Like, and oh they, my god! They don't even make a big thing of it. It's just no. a part of it that you just kind of see, and it's just like a you know, it looks like a a blanket that someone's grandmother would would you know a quilt. I should say it's a quilt. Excuse me, because um, it's all quilted, and then there's these like. You know, as if they were daisies, just little swastikas. It was nuts. Horrifying. But, yeah. He, Ted Levine, Levine. Um, oh, I, my God. Yeah. He looks in this movie so much like Thor from Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, take it back. Take back what you said about Thor. <laughs> take What's his name? Take it back. Take it back, back, Brad. Brad, Brad. There it is. There it is. That's the tote bag. Take it back, Brad. Take back what you said about <laughs> Thor with the little Thor helmet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I just, I saw, I think maybe even when I was younger, I thought it was that actor, but it is not. Um, no. His performance is just as campy as Buffalo Bill's. Uh, sorry. <laughs> He's blind. Excuse me. Mm. Um, as Anthony Hopkins. Um, yeah. And it can be both, right? It is disturbing, twisted, manipulate, you know, manipulative, all of that stuff. It is sick. Um, and I'm not talking about the, the mangina scene. I'm talking about 
the scene when he is making her put on the lotion in the basket. I'm talking about the scene when he's talking to Clarice at the door. Like, it is so over the top and horrifying. It is. I mean, it really, it, it kind of veers away from camp like a mile before it gets into town and it just goes into like uncomfortable, weird, just like, mm. I want to take a shower after watching this kind of feeling. Yes. But yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think he's a fascinating character. You know, I kept details like that. I kept thinking, I, I can't believe this one best picture. I can't believe everybody embraced this movie where mm. like, this guy was like wearing a woman's scalp and dancing around with his with his dick tucked between his legs in a kimono. I mean, uh, it's you know what I mean. Like that's so yeah, that's so fucked up, and yet it, it has is been so, so embraced. Up. You know, it is it is so um, fucked up. What I do appreciate about this moment, and I I assume this was deliberate, is that the pose that he strikes is the same pose really of the cop's body strung yes. up Hannibal's victim. I thought it was the same visual, which I thought was really brilliant. And of course it's like they're moths. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like they've got wings. So I mm -hmm. love that as just like great filmmaking. Cause I mean, from a directing, editing screenplay standpoint, like aside from the acting, I love when people describe a movie as airtight, but I think that this is a great example of like, this movie is airtight. Yeah. Oh, I oh, so well thought out, right? In in so many ways. Yeah, the Buffalo Bill is uh has so many scenes that I I just think Ted does a bang up job. Like it is so good. And uh, I don't feel like I've seen him in much mm -mm. else. Do you recognize no. him? No. I'm going to do a quick uh clicky doodle on IMDb. I know is... he's in Monk and I I've never seen Monk. Oh, um, Monk. You love Monk. No, I don't. <laughs> you um, love Monk. He I have to say, you know, Jimbo from Canada's Drag Race makes reference to Buffalo Bill. Uh, in the mirror, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, pretty. He's saying "pretty girl," but it is very much in the voice of Buffalo Bill saying, "Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me so hard." Um, that that has become similar to uh, "Bring Me the Axe," kind of like yeah, camp mm -hmm. camp fear. Like it's so disturbing and over the top that we bring it to a comedic place, right? Because when somebody quotes that, it's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, it, it's kind of like, you know, fatal attraction and talking about the bunny in the, you know, uh -huh. in, in the pot. Like, it becomes just like a a pop cultural reference, you know? Yes, uh, yes. It's worth mentioning that he was in the movie Flubber. So, <laughs> I don't know if that means anything to you. He was in the first Fast and the Furious, All so right. that's fun. All these things. All yeah, right, well, he was yeah. in birth which uh the best thing about birth is that nicole kidman at the opera scene where she just you know has a, a face journey for a minute and a half have you ever seen never that saw it never saw oh uh, you are missing out um other than that i mean he listen the man doesn't stop working you know four episodes of ray donovan that's not nothing you know i guess not uh yeah. jane so jane gum which is a very interesting name jane jamie jane gum um, yeah. i think they call him jane gum um, Isn't that he, one of Meryl Streep's daughters? <laughs> Mamie Gummer. <laughs> oh, Gummer, yeah. When, yeah. We, when we meet him with Clarice, uh, that's also, I think, what, what I quote with you, the, oh, wait, uh, moment at the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, you know, because 
you know, honestly, up until that point, I thought, I think you're misremembering a point where ever Clarice says, you know, she was a great big, you know, yeah, you should, you know, she big girl, she big girl, she big girl, she was. Because I thought that was the conversation with Hannibal, so I was like, oh, she never, she never says the quote, and then she said it. I was so relieved. I'm glad you were relieved because yeah. I was right. Um, yeah, she and and that scene, it's that's when you're yelling at the screen. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Oh, she went in. Get out the, of there. The <laughs> gag. I mean, it's practically a William Castle movie, this gag of having thinking that it's the FBI busting out in his house. And then it's just like the switcheroo. And you're like, mm. oh, my God. And it is. It is so tense. I just I, I grabbed both sides of my head. I was like Alexis Michelle winning the Snatch Game Challenge, you know? <laughs> um, I did that with my breathless baloney hair and <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And it's just... And, and the fucking camp, if you will, the camp of the, the clue being the moth landing yes. on the thread. How fucking gay is that? I love Very it. Very gay. It's Very so gay. campy landing on, on sewing thread. I was like... this. Uh-huh. I love this. I can't believe this is directed by a straight man. I can't believe no gay men are involved with this movie. Totally. And that's a little alarming to think that no men were, right? Like, oh, God. So good. She goes downstairs. I think I, I there's got to be some meaning to it, or I don't know if it had anything to do with that American flag, but oh, when yeah. mm-hmm. she shoots and then she lets the light in. Um, and the flag that, is there. It almost looks like a shot from like a Vietnam uh-huh. memorial or something, you know? Yeah, there's. I, I didn't understand that too much. Um, and I'm sure that there's another lens that we could put on this whole movie because there was imagery with uh, the strung up cop in Hannibal Lecter's cell with the mm-hmm. American flags around it. But that scene to let the light in, that she shoots him and then it's, then it's bright, uh, that she had to basically shoot in the dark. What did she hear? She heard, she heard something. Him pulling the back gun. the hammer of the gun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, that scene. It's. Uh, and that and, scene is. That scene is terrifying, Mary. And when you think about, you've like, been in a it, dark room. Before. Yeah, I was gonna it's, say it's uh, pitch black. It's remembering like she can't see the swastika blanket and and the you know the bugs and the fact that the lights go out when she's in the bathroom looking uh, at the tub with the decomposing body in it. Uh, oh my god! Uh, I was like, of all the times for the lights to go out. Oh, uh, it's. Oh. Uh, it's just incredible. Yeah, I from again from start to finish, the yeah. movie is camp, but also, as you say, airtight. Airtight. I mean, like the fact that they can have a copy of Bon Appetit in Lecter's cell right uh. before he like that when they're bringing him dinner and then he kills those cops. I mean, and it works, and it, you know, it doesn't take away from everything else. You know, right? No, that's right. That's that's right. That's right. Yeah. There's details in this movie which makes me think that a gay person directed it. You yeah, know? I love that there was a supporting cat. There was that girl, uh, Fran. The, I remember. Oh, uh, Frederica. Frederica's cat, who's like, "Hey, come in here," and leads her into yeah. the sewing room. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, uh, none of the animals die, which I think Thank is important. Yeah. So the dog may be injured, but she's fine. Um, and uh, yeah, little cheapers eventually gets fed. <laughs> That's that was harrowing for you. Yeah, it is. I think about, about cheapers. I think about Jones. I always think about these cats. Yeah, you know, you think about Precious even. Yeah. Oh, Precious. I think about who's that? The the dog. 
Yeah, that's the dog. Oh, precious. I've been calling her princess this whole time. No, it's precious. Yes, you will, precious. Yes, oh, sorry. You will, precious. The precious uh, erasure. Um, <laughs> oh, precious. Oh, um, precious. Did you bring back my precious? Yeah. Um, that scene, which we haven't talked about, the lotion in the basket, but the goddamn lotion in the basket. I mean, I know it's campy, but also a brilliant performance. Yeah, I was relieved to hear via IMDb trivia that Ted Levine and Brooke Smith, I guess, got along very well and were very close on set. And so oh, good. that made me feel better because I thought, oh, God, you know, yeah. like in contrast to that, I think Jodie Foster kept her distance from Anthony Hopkins during some scenes because she was afraid of him. So I love that, too, because he's such a sweet little goose that I love that she was afraid of him. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm glad that, you know, for as awful as those scenes were, they could call cut and Ted be like, you know, How's the weather down there, you know? Yeah, right. Make some joke, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, awkward. Awkward. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and again, so many iconic scenes coming from Silence of the Lambs. Not only did it win Best Picture and basically swept all the big categories, but I think for just what horror can do, it brought in a different type of horror, didn't it, in the 90s? Like, it, because it... Horror up until that point was very, you know, teenage and uh, kind of problematic in other ways and slashery and, and all of that. And this kind of made it go a little bit deeper. And some would say this isn't a horror genre, that this is more crime suspense thriller. I still see this as a horror movie. I think it, it does an interesting mix of them. I think it, it feels in a lot of ways like, you know, these sort of late 80s, early 90s thrillers that like, you know, uh, Gene Hackman would star in or Morgan Freeman or whatever. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like these sort of, right, you know, right. the FBI or, you know, the Kiss fugitive. Kiss the Girls, Ashley you know, Judd. Yeah. Certainly. Like you think of all of these movies where it's just a lot of FBI guys in suits and ties, you know, running and getting into black cars and whatnot. And so it took that genre and then it also took this like, serial killer slasher genre from the 80s and it took that and it took a little you know it just kind of like mixed it up and then also put this like i don't know dramatic prestige picture of this woman rising the ranks in in the fbi Mm -hmm. um and so i think it just became this mishmash and then with a heavy dose of of camp and dark humor and like (laughs) i think it just it, it was a combination that i i almost feel like was it was like a, you know, lightning in a bottle. Like, I don't think, you'd almost want to think, like, could, did everything ever come together like this so perfectly again? You know what I mean? Right. Um, and accidentally. It's it's the all-stars, too, of horror movies, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think about, because uh, it is a horror movie. I can see how some don't see it as a horror movie, but it, it would be in the same category as The Exorcist, as Get Out, uh, most recently, uh, Jaws, where it's doing something more and interesting with the genre. Um, yeah. There's something deeper going on. And it's it's rare. It's just well, rare. I think, you know, hereditary now, to bring that up again. Oh, my like, God. Totally, Mary. There's, yes. I think now we're seeing, like, more of an opportunity for what they call, like, elevated horror or prestige horror. It's, of course, one of the rare horror movies to win Oscars. So... Congratulations, folks! And what uh, other ones? What other ones did win? Well, did any win? In terms of best picture, I don't think so. Uh, Ruth Gordon won for best supporting actress um, in then, Rosemary's Baby. In Rosemary's Baby, 
I know that Ellen Burstyn was nominated for The Exorcist, and I think maybe even Linda Blair was as well. Uh, other than that, I don't know. I mean... Get Out won Best Screenplay? Get Out won Best Screenplay. Um, I mean, I guess I can... I know I... I there's like, you know, there's a uh, there's a win for like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from like the 30s horror movies that won Oscars. I wonder about why that is. And is it uh-huh. is it because like Hereditary was vastly overlooked, wasn't it? Right. Well, certainly in the best actress category. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's worth almost going back and being like, what should have at least been considered or seen? Because I think the only reason it's not is just because of the genre, right? Yeah. I, I mean, otherwise, Joe Beth Williams would have an Oscar for Poltergeist. The uh-huh. other campaign I'll always be on. Dee um, Wallace would have won for Cujo. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, here's another major one that we have actually talked about on this podcast before. Natalie Portman won for Best Actress for Black Swan, if you want to consider oh, that a horror right. movie. Oh, yeah. right. I, yes, I, right. And, and, and it I, was supposed to be a horror movie, and then it didn't really... She was supposed to like turn into a swan, like a transformation like the fly. Right, right. Well, I have some other ones here. The Exorcist won for Best Adapted Screenplay and Sound. Uh, Sweeney Todd and some of the a lot of these are you know for art direction which is not a small potato oh I'm happy to say that The Omen won an Oscar for best original score and it is so good Jerry oh. Goldsmith watch out Hans Zimmer um, <laughs> and he might be dead so I think you might be safe Hans but well I think people might be screaming at their iPhones right now you fool or we forgot about <laughs> Kathy Bates winning for best actress <laughs> <laughs> the year but the year before, no. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. yeah you fooler. You fooler. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, that's pretty cool that from in nineteen ninety and ninety one, best actress mm. went to a woman in a horror movie. Yeah. Um or yes. that any best actor actress category two years in a row was swept by a horror movie, right? That yeah. was Annie Wilkes and then uh, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah. These like these um these iconic villains, if not mm-hmm. infamous, maybe famous. Uh, oh God! <laughs> whatever happened to Baby Jane won Best Costume Design, which makes I think makes a lot of sense. The Fly won for Best Makeup, which you mentioned. Oh, the Fly, okay, interesting. Um, that's fun. And then yeah, Rosemary's Bo- Booby, Rosemary's Booby, which is the um, one of the best of. horror movies. I love ah, a slow burn like that. I really Rosemary's do. Baby is I, again airtight in my book. I I mm-hmm. think there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Mary, did Let the Right One In win anything? Because that movie is also fabulous. Um, um, the orphan also comes to mind just because of the similar imagery. But uh, yeah. that one, let the right one in, was super scary. Uh, that was that because there was the original one from like was it from Sweden, and then they did the yeah, remake, like right. let me in. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here, but like people put so much weight into the Academy Awards, and it's I feel like it's always been and continues to be just a marketing game it's just all about money i mean i'll tell you i've now seen the movie mass twice and am convinced this is the best actress and best supporting actress of the year and dowd may get a nomination for best supporting actress because of campaigning i feel like martha plimpton is not going to get recognized for best actress and you couldn't tell me there's going to be a better performance. It is, Mm. it is almost, I dare say it almost over outshines and Dowd. It, it's incredible, but it's like, it's a smaller movie and she's not as big of a name 
you know, and so, you know, someone else wears an ugly wig or puts on an accent and now they got a golden trophy. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah. And I guess in the opposite way, if I'm going to kind of have a fight for the Academy, I mean, Parasite won. There's those situations where it's like, you know, it's I think that was all that, word of mouth. I think that did that. You yeah. Know? But I think of that the way I think of like Sasha Valor winning season nine. It's like, well, the one I wanted won, And so I'm happy mm, about it. Right. You know, right. Right. Um, right. And so there's kind of like, yeah, well, you know, I'm happy about that exception because the one I wanted won. So mm-hmm. it's the one I wanted. <laughs> the one I wanted. Look at the tree. Yeah. Oh, look at the ducks. Oh, look at the movie. Well, Sounds of the Lambs, you know, to go back to. Uh, Clarice and Hannibal. Uh, yeah. Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal. That's a great drag name, Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal. That's another uh, horror movie, I guess. Um, the 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 movie, I I was kind of like, oh, I have to watch this again because you know it's kind of long. But yeah, I had the same feeling. Once yeah. you're in it, Mary, you're in it. It moves very quickly. Oh my god! Yeah, I was sucked in. Couldn't look away. Didn't pick up my phone. I again to go back to the airtight, you know, uh, praise of this. This movie just zips along. It wastes yeah. zero time. Right. Uh, and even if there isn't carnage going on or whatever, it's tense the whole time. Because of course, Catherine's in a well the whole time. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. Catherine is in a well. She's in a um, well most Where's of Catherine? the time. She's she in a sings. Well. She sings "American Girl" first, and I just have to point that out again. Uh, yeah, it's a fabulous little scene that she did all by herself. Ugh, she did. It's just a it. close-up of her doing some steering wheel acting. Ugh, my God, it's great. Are you yeah. kidding me? Ugh, I yeah. can't believe that you you hate the song so much that I, you can't appreciate that. No, scene. I think this is great, and she's she's got her Veronica Green wig on. I mean, <laughs> are you kidding me? I love this. Uh, in fact, she I'm. She was oh, so good. You know, yeah, <laughs> you keep singing it. We're gonna get. They're gonna cut the episode because of copyrights. Um, I'm looking to see what else she's been in. Who knows when we'll talk about Brooke Smith again? You know, she's been in more TV stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, she's yeah, she's she's doing a little bit more TV now. She was in a movie in 2018 called Blood Clots. That sounds fun. Oh, that sounds scary. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, oh, she was in six episodes of Bates Motel, which I have not watched. Um, Nick and I just did Psycho on Best Supporting Podcast, so it's kind of back in my sphere. But uh-huh. I've never kind of been, in, you know, uh, driven to go explore the TV version of Bates Motel. Have you? I watched uh, a few episodes, and then yeah. you know, it just happened that something else came on, and I watched something yeah. else instead. Uh, but yeah, she's been working her fucking butt off since I 1991. Mean, I don't know who whoever we were talking about, Scott, whoever, uh, t- Ted Levine had his four episodes of Ray Donovan. I see your four episodes. I raise you 13 episodes of Ray Donovan. Yeah. Brooke Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Brooke Smith is, she's a working actress. She's doing yeah. her thing. And uh, it's all because of American Girl and calling Clarice Darling a fucking bitch for leaving her in that fucking well. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll find a way to bring her back on this podcast. I feel like Brooke Smith is kind of the dark horse of Matreons. Like, you know who I'm rooting for? Brooke Smith. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So let, we'll find a way to bring her back on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. And maybe even a Cassie Lemons. You know, maybe we'll oh, see Cassie Lemons again. That could be fun, too. All right. So that's, you know, I think that's a fun investment. is Because All Right Scary kind of dictates the movies we're going to talk about because they're scary. But after that, it's really kind of an open canvas. And so, you know, maybe that's what we do is we look at some of our, our 
you know, maybe underrepresented Matreon alums and see how we can uh, expand their catalog. Right. I mean, we could do Candyman next year. You know, yeah. the original. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Chicago, which, you know, it you is love Chicago. Chicago. I, I love, love Chicago. that movie. I love yeah. that movie so much. I love the score. Uh, I love Jenny Madsen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, uh, I cannot wait to see the remake because it takes what Candyman was trying to say in the 90s and now is saying it in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I, yeah, I just cannot wait to see it. Uh, and I'm waiting for it to be rentable. Um, so, yeah, and also I don't want to watch it alone, right? So yeah, there's that, yeah, because it's scary yeah. and stuff. And um, Ella, Ella is too scared. Yeah, Ella gets way too scared. He just hides under the blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah his little tail. Yeah, yeah, it's very sweet. Um, but anyway, sounds of the lambs. This has been really really fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> This has been so fun. I lo- I revisiting this. I was like, God, this movie, this fucking movie, is as good as everybody says. It's uh, if you have not watched this movie in a while, it is worth a revisit. I can't believe how good it is. And like, I also need some validation that like Scott Glenn. Like, I understand if no one wants to agree with me on Lance Henriksen as Bishop and Aliens, but Scott Glenn. Oh my God. Oh no, I I would choke me. You know, I would want. <laughs> I would want to please him. I'd want to make him, you know, happy. I would I would do all of the most toxic things. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, in so many bad ways. So I know he's not good for me. Yeah. Mm, but so delicious. Uh, one more important question before, because I think we're wrapping things up here. Uh, we have not covered this, but who would you play in Silence of the Lambs? Oh, that's a great question. Um, man, I feel like... I would play Brooke Smith. I was gonna say I feel like that, or that, Catherine Martin. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that makes sense. That yeah, um, I have a very small role in this movie. I mean, I will, I will play the senator in a fucking hot second. Sure, obviously. I know you play Ruth. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm gonna play Ruth. But I, you know, sometimes when I have a small role, I like double casting. And so when Clarice goes to Frederica's house, there's a scene uh, of this old lady in a window. I noticed upstairs. her. I noticed her. I'm like, oh, there's Colin. That's me. Yeah. That's who I would play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have, you know, I was able, I had, I had the time. I was able to do that. They need me to fill in. Um, June Squibb <laughs> had to back out. She found out the role didn't have any lines. I was like, I don't need lines. I'm playing Ruth. Oh, Mary. Oh, good for you. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you get to play my mother. Yes. <laughs> You're my little girl. Yeah, I'm a, girl, girl, mom, yeah. I'm a big she's, girl, mom. No, I'm a big girl, and I don't mean she, yeah. I'm a big girl, girl, you know. She's a big girl, yeah, big girl. Yeah. Um, I yeah, this movie, man. There's, you know what, Mary? We've like barely even scratched the surface because I know, I know. that there are, God, countless queer theories and film papers about Sounds of Lambs. Because when I was in college, I took a queer perspectives in film class, and one of the things films we talked about was Silence of the Lambs. There's countless articles about trans representation uh, from the problematic lens, but then also the other lens, which is uh, just talking about queerness in general and the skins we put on and and all of that, identities that we put on, that we're able to put on, like the skin coat being a metaphor for something else. Uh, you know, so many papers. Um, so Mary's, if you are more interested in that, like go seek it out because they all exist. They all exist. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's definitely that that conversation you have about this movie. I think 
the most recent takeaway I had was just like that, but then like the sprinkles and the cupcake of like the camp of this. And I, yeah, I just totally. never, I kind of always knew like, yeah, you could dissect the shit out of this movie as if it were a, you know, a bug and a pupa, you know, or whatever they're called. But um, I pupa a pupa. It's a pupa. Yeah, I think it's um a chrysalis. A no? chrysalis. That's a nicer name. Please welcome to the stage. Pupa chrysalis. Chrysalis pupa. Um, but I just love how fucking campy this movie is. Yes, and it gets away with it, and it shouldn't. You know, it's like a weird flavor profile. It's like you wouldn't believe the secret ingredient, you know? It's yeah. cake frosting, you know? Yeah, it's the library's open, dear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Hannibal with those glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not talking about the night vision glasses. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Your grill is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> well, Marys, thanks so much for listening to Sounds of the Lambs. Next week is our hollow Halloween episode as Chloe Seven E would say Halloween uh, yeah. which we are very excited to unveil uh, it will be uh, God it just uh, so nostalgic I think for a time it's gonna so it's gonna be a car trunk full of fun Sure. So what are you waiting for, huh? So what are you waiting for? <laughs> so what are you waiting for? Uh, I can't wait to reveal our Halloween episode, Halloween episode. Um, but until then, you can reach out to us at All Right Mary on Twitter or All Right Mary Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, for any thoughts on Sounds of the Lambs, you can uh, find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com or tasteofreality.com slash allright-mary. And if you want, you can follow me on Instagram at Johnny Also or on Twitter at Johnny Also One. And you can find even more of me on my other two podcasts in the details, A Celebration of Nuance or Best Supporting Podcast, A Celebration of Best Supporting Actresses. And you can get more of me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can get even more of both of us, including more scary movie recaps, Drag Race UK season three, Canada's Drag Race season two, deep dives into things like safe drama, you know, rip syncs, God only knows. There's so much and more. And the best way to find out is to go to patreon.com slash all right, Mary. Well, I love you for that, Mary. I don't know if we should close out this episode with Blair St. Clair or with Tom Petty. Well, I think I am editing this episode, so it's going to be my little surprise to you. Ooh, okay. Uh, which one it is. It'll be playing right now, though. Either way, I'm in hell. Well, I'm in love. I'm in love with Hannibal Lecter. And Tom Petty. Tachins! I'm in love. I'm in love.